Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello and welcome to our journey through the book of Leviticus. Today is chapter 20. We're starting to kind of round third base and head toward home. We've only got just a few chapters left and God continues to ratchet up the pressure as he really talks to the nation of Israel about the price of freedom, what it takes to stay free in a world that is full of darkness. Today is one of those that is quite controversial even in today's time. Back then, no different. There were all kinds of different paganistic things and worldly ideas. By worldly, I mean opposed to the goodness of God. And God doesn't mess around. He says, look, this is my standard. I made you. You want to stay free. You want to stay close to me. This is what it means to stay close to me. And a lot of times, that's really good stuff. It's amazing. But there's also a downside to that, and that is you have to say no to some things. And to be just, to be fair, there has to be penalties for good things. You know, a reward, a trophy doesn't mean anything if everybody gets one. And so just like a reward doesn't mean anything, at the same time, a consequence doesn't matter if there's not a punishment attached to that consequence. And the greater the consequence, if you do something that is really, really, really destructive, then also the justice for it needs to be really, really, really high as well. So I just want to preface that with this idea because today it's not going to be a joke. It's going to talk about the death penalty. There were things in ancient Israel that was worthy of death. There was a time when God says, this person cannot remain alive. There's something that is so broken in their soul and so broken when it comes to what they're going to be doing that they have to be cut off because they have now become a cancer to everybody else. And that's a horrible thing, right? That's terrible. It's horrible, but it's also true. So we're just going to read through this. We may stop and do some commentary at the end, uh, up until the end. But we're just going to read it together because this is a heavy, heavy topic. Because these people, if you do these things, they have to die. So here we go. Let's read this together. If you have your Bibles, the New Living Translation, chapter 20, verse 1. Here we go. The Lord said to Moses, Give the people of Israel these instructions, which apply both to native Israelites and to foreigners living in Israel. If any of them offer their children as a sacrifice to Moloch, they must be put to death. The people of the community must be must stone them to death. Pause. Now, Molech was a Canaanite god, a false god, obviously. And what they would actually do is, according to some of the different archaeological finds, is that they would actually burn these children alive as a sacrifice to Molech. And they say that they would have drums that they would play, and it would be really loud because they wanted to have the drums louder than the screams of the children. It was a devastating thing that these people would do, and they would sacrifice these children to Molech as a way to appease the God so that God would bless them. And what the true God, Yahweh, is saying is, no, no, don't do that. Those are my babies. Even before they're yours, they're mine. And if you do that, I'm going to kill you back because you killed my babies. And then they would kill them by stoning them. And to stone someone is exactly what you would think. You take large rocks and you would throw them until through blunt force trauma, you would die. So it's not a good thing. But God is also not surprising anyone. He's saying, if you do this, this is the consequence. I'm begging you not to do this, but this is the consequence if you do. All right, let's pick back up. Verse three. 
I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. Verse 4. And if the people of the community ignore those who offer their children to Molech and refuse to execute them, I myself will turn against them and their families and will cut them off from the community. This will happen to all who commit spiritual prostitution by worshiping Molech. So you can tell God is not only holding that particular family accountable, but even the entire nation if they do not stand up and do the right thing. It really speaks to us today when a lot of people say, you know what, I don't want to get involved with the evil that I see. I wonder if the principle still applies, that if we see evil and we do nothing about it, we're held accountable as an accessory to evil because we knew something better was what was supposed to be and we didn't do it. It reminds me of that old phrase, the only thing for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. All right, spit back up. Verse six, it says, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult with the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So set yourselves apart to be holy for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. Pause. So what is a medium? This is a someone who consults the dead, someone who, I would say in our cultural context, a medium is a spirit guide, someone who tries to connect with the spirit world, but not with Jesus. <laughs> so you're talking uh, as, as silly as those you know, used to have back in the day, the 1-900 numbers where you would call and they'd read your fortune, tarot cards, Wicca. Anyone that is trying to worship a God other than God or trying to connect with something other than Jesus. And even then, we should never have a mediator between us and God because Jesus Christ paid the way so that now we have access to the throne of God. That's why as a non-Catholic, we don't go and ask for a priest to pray for us. That's nothing wrong even to this day with asking someone to pray for us, but not instead of us. But because of Jesus, now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. All right, here we go. Verse 9. This is about family life and sexual prohibitions. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Such a person is guilty of a capital offense. If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. If a man violates his father by having sex with one of his father's wives, both the man and the woman must be put to death for they are guilty of a capital offense. Now pause again for a second. First of all, wow. I mean, we don't do that anymore. We don't, we don't put someone to death for uh, committing adultery. It's a horrible thing, but we don't put them to death. But I want to just really quickly say that he says that if you have sex with one of his wives, plural, and there's a controversy going on because there are examples in the Old Testament where people had multiple wives. And people have even said, because there were multiple wives, does that mean that God is telling us we should? The answer is no. What the Bible describes, it doesn't always prescribe. And there's never a place in the entire Bible where God says, please take many wives. It doesn't say that at all. Rather, God knows that because of the hardness of their heart, they were doing this and it was a part of a custom of the time. And so it's almost as, a, as though if you're going to do this, let me regulate it so that you don't hurt one another, but I'd rather you not do it. You can see that confirmed all throughout Scripture. So real quickly, God never says, please have multiple wives. As a matter of fact, you go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it was supposed to be one man, one woman for life, ideally. But if you're going to do this, here's a way to do it, but I'd rather you not. God did the same thing when it came to having a king and the same thing with even having slaves. Rather you not, 
But if you're going to do it, make sure you do it in an honorable way. All right, here we go. Verse 11, if a man violates his father by having sex with one of his father's wives, what we just read, both the man and the woman must be put to death for they are guilty of a capital offense. Verse 12, if a man has sex with his daughter-in-law, both must be put to death. They have committed a perverse act and are guilty of a capital offense. If a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both men have committed a detestable act. They must both be put to death, for they are guilty of a capital offense. If a man marries both a woman and her mother, he has committed a wicked act, and the man and the women must be put to death to wipe out the sickness from among you. If a man has sex with an animal, he must be put to death, and the animal must be killed. If a woman presents herself to a male animal and has intercourse with it, she and the animal must both be put to death. You must kill both, for they are guilty of a capital offense. Pause. One of the reasons why they would put the animal to death as well, because the animal has now been abused. The animal is now likely suffering, or it has now caused a broken place in the psyche of this animal, and so it is an act of mercy to put this animal down. Okay? Verse 17. If a man marries his sister, the daughter of either the father or his mother, they have, and they have sexual relations, it is a shameful disgrace. They must be publicly cut off from the community since a man has violated his sister and he will be punished for his sins. Verse 18. If a man has sexual relations with a woman during her menstrual period, both of them must be cut off from the community for together they have exposed the source of her blood flow. Verse 19. Do not have sexual relations with your aunt, whether she's your mother's sister or your father's sister. This would dishonor a close relative. Both parties are guilty and will be punished for their sins. If a man has sex with his uncle's wife, he has violated his uncle. Both the man and the woman will be punished for their sins, and they will, be, they will die childless. If a man marries his brother's wife, it is an act of impurity. He has violated his brother, and the guilty couple will remain childless. Pause. Once again, the only time this was considered not a bad thing was if the brother had died, and then the, the other brother would then marry that wife, not in order to then have a relationship with her per se, but more to have children to honor his now dead brother. That was the only way you find a way around that. And it wasn't really even trying to find a way around it as much as to honor the dead brother. All right, let's finish this up. Verse 20 through 22 through 27. You must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land in which I am bringing you as a new home will vomit you out. Do not live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. But I have promised you, you will possess their land because I will give it to you as your possession, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from all other people. You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals and between clean and unclean birds. You must not defile yourselves by eating any unclean animal or bird or creature which scurries along the ground. I have identified them as being unclean for you. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all these other people to be my very own. Men and women among you must act uh, wait, wait, men and women among you who act like mediums or consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. So what do we make out of all of this? We make out of all of this that God has clear, defined guidelines. And he is not just interested in the individual. 
but he is also interested in all the individuals around that person. And as you can see, none of these particular sins, as I'm looking back over these, has to do with one person doing something by themselves, but it has to do with one person engaging in a sin with another, causing the another person as well to be violated in some kind of way, either spiritually or physically or both. And so God it wants us to be free. But at the same time, he doesn't want your freedom to in any way take away the freedom of another. And he says over and over again, be holy as I am holy. In other words, he's saying, focus on our relationship. When you do this, don't do this because you think it's even a good idea. Do it because I told you to do it. Do it because you trust me. Even back into, you notice so many of these capital offenses had to do with sex. And I think the reason why is because God has given us this gift of sexual relationship with a husband and a wife in the context of marriage because it is the greatest expression of love, at least it's supposed to be, that we can give to one another. And God is saying, don't pervert that. Don't pervert this gift because it is a, a gift I am giving to you. So when you do it, do it as an act of worship. When you don't do these other things, do it as an act of worship to me. So I think the overall principle from this is, is that we honor God by honoring his commands. And it is a way that we can worship him, even when it doesn't feel right, even when it makes us unhappy, even when we don't understand. The idea is the old phrase, love is love, is not true. Love according to God's standard is what is true. I hope you enjoyed this. I'll see you next time for Leviticus chapter 21.